There's so much beauty and joy and freedom in finding that devotional life. The devil works hard to make sure that we are not fully authentic friends, so it takes work, it takes sweat. If you're just going to sit there and sob about the circumstances that you're in, nothing's going to change. The practice of our faith is a daily thing. The natural order of relationships are towards chaos, disrespect. But Christ absorbs it and returns that with love. When we face suffering, we want to like, we want to fight. We want to just lash out at the world because we're in so much pain. Your life is not your own to do with what you please. It was bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. You actually do not have the right to do whatever you want to do. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. Welcome back to the Armor of Light podcast. My name is Brady, joined as most of the time with James and Jerry. Uh, The long-awaited meatball has returned. Uh, he was on hiatus, but now he's back and ready to go. Chewed up and spit out. Here we are. <laughs> the meatball will not be chewed. Um, welcome, everyone. Uh, today we're going to discuss our our past uh, experiences in college and our advice for incoming freshmen, maybe, and our, our past selves of just things we've learned in our tenure here at, at college and what it feels like um, graduating and, and, you know, how we would maybe have done things differently or the major lessons we've learned. So we'll just, we'll dive right in. Once an athlete, always an athlete. Mm-hmm. It's in you forever. Golfer. <laughs> <laughs> you take that back. <laughs> He's got proof. <laughs> Want to see a scorecard? Yeah. Talk to Alex and Jack. They'll tell you who's oh, a true real, athlete. real. I, I'm not saying that golfers aren't athletes. That's what we all heard. That's fair. I was kind of implying that, but yeah, you didn't say jokes. You didn't say it because I actually do think golfing takes a lot of athletic ability. Yeah, we could have a whole episode about this. Like, what's the different? So, like, there should be a different word used. We are recording. Right? <laughs> all right. Um, there should be a different word used for games like football or soccer or basketball than like golf or swimming or Base. track and field where it's like one is you're in a game and you're competing against each other like the more you do good the worse the other team gets that's like one category and then the other category is you both do the same thing and you win if you do it better but you're not going you're not opposing them at all i feel like one should be called a sport and one should be called a competition Ooh. That's my. That's my. I, I like that. That's my proposal. Yeah. I would have. I would have to agree with that. Should we start now with the question? Might as well. Or you want to do that post post intro? It's a pretty <laughs> long question. Is There's it three parts to it? it. Oh, Brian's question. Yep. Bro, we Brian. could just do one. The first one, I guess. Let me take a look. See, it's here. kind of a good one. Do you think praise and worship can only be expressed through music, or can it also be expressed through other people's gifts and talents? A few examples, such as sports, art, or work. Interesting. Wow. Okay. That is a good question. And what, then the what, what second and third question are kind of go off of that. Like, how as Catholics can we make all that we do be more like praise and worship? Why is music the best or most thought of form of praise and worship? Hmm. 
So we could tackle one of those, all three of those. So, okay, first I would say certainly not the only way. Like, I don't know where in the Bible it says, but it's like, in everything you do, yeah, give glory to God. That's exactly do, what I was thinking, God. is praise God with all that you do. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what scripture verse yeah. it is. So, like, that's a precedent. But then also, maybe a reason why music is the best is because it's also in scripture a ton. Like, that's the number one, or most common thing that people do to praise God is to sing and dance and sing and praise. And, like, the choir of angels, that's... Uh, heavenly imager it's in revelation as well like in the apocalypse like the the choir of angels sing to god and they bow and and sing holy 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 mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so like that's i feel like that's a pres- precedent for why it's the best but i think these like art especially i think i was listening to matt could definitely get on board with that the other day and he was talking about how music is a different like medium than a lot of other things because it kind of Music can change the way you feel, mm. and I think there's like a lot of like elements of spiritual and physical world kind of meeting when you sing music or when you're listening to music, and like that's why one of the big problems we have today is when you listen to like rap crap, they're going to be <laughs> saying swear words, talking, you know, talking about drugs and talking mm. about. Um, adultery they're talking about all these different things that denigrate who we are and if you listen to that and listen to that and listen to that like your your mind will get into a different place Mm -hmm. but i think vice versa like if you if you take the the other side of that coin music is really a great way to worship and i think that there's something different with that as opposed to like lifting or um, like doing anything else. So why do you think that is different? Because we have more of an emotional reaction with the music than we do with lifting or just going through our daily tasks. Because we talked about that Bible verse that says, give glory to God in all that you do. But practically speaking, how the heck do we do that? With music, it's pretty obvious that we're like singing and praising God. That's a very practical example. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like something about being able to like be submerged in the sound, mm-hmm. and also using that to offer praise to God. Um, I guess and then a way that you could compare it somewhat is when you're lifting, um, like offering up that next set to God, and I mean try to offer each set up to God, but like. Um, but again, there is a difference between being like submerged in the sound of the music and trying to find the perfect sound as opposed to just lifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe effort is what's kind of common among all those things, but it's what is being produced that maybe ranks them. So, like getting a good workout in or creating a good day's work, you know, is good. Your effort, like if you do it for God, that is good and pleasing. But what you did and what you produced maybe isn't as good as like a wonderful piece of music. Okay. 
But that could be true in music too. Yeah. I think when we're praising God through music, our focus is directly on the music. Like we're not doing another task when we're, if we're listening to praise and worship music and we're actually using that as a form of like praise, we're probably not doing that while doing another task. Like at least for myself, if I'm listening to praise and worship music, I want to be like sitting down and focused on the music, the lyrics of the music. I think the same can be said for using any of those other tasks to praise and worship God. Like if our focus is on that task at hand and do it to the best of our ability, I think that's a great way of giving praise to God instead of just kind of half-assing things that we do. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that I listen to a lot of music passively, so I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be able to relate with that because I'm not listening to it with the intention of trying to use it to to praise God. Okay. But I do think that that passive element kind of, again, like what I said earlier, it, you can be, all these different things can be suggested to you passively and you not even realize it. And then all of a sudden you're, it's affecting you and you didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, probably the same thing could be said with praise and worship. If you're listening to music that uplifts the soul to God, then your heart is being changed and you're starting to see like glory in things that you weren't seeing glory before passively, not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes back to the episode that we just had with Caleb. We were talking about how I was making the argument that prayer is an act of the will. And if we're just listening to the music passively and letting it kind of change us without us recognizing that, I don't know if that's prayer per se. Yeah. I, I'm, I guess, not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's... No, I'd say that probably the way that I listen to music isn't prayer. Do you think there is a way to, like when we're lifting or when we're doing our daily tasks, to turn that into a prayer? Or are we think, looking... Are we finding... Lifting might be tough because, or tough to make a strict comparison because that also involves like physical toil and pain. Right. And so you could also kind of make the argument that that's your like mortification, suffering, like kind of like offering that up, which isn't the same thing as you're doing when you're offering up a song or mm-hmm. a great work of art. Yeah. But I do think you can. I think that there would be a parallel in the sense that you've practiced and your performance is like representative of your practice and you're offering your performance up to God. For example, if like when you golf on the golf course, you've obviously spent a lot of time on the driving range. You've um, done well learning how to practice putting, getting your form down so that when you go out and you perform, you can enjoy it and enjoy the experience of it and offer that up to the Lord. Similar to, someone who sits and just painstakingly works on the notes and finding the right chords, they're able to perform that knowing that the effort that they put into it and now getting to like use this final um, product to share with the rest of the world, share with God. So you say Sherry or Sherry, sharing. Sherry. Um, you say sharing is important, and I really agree with that because what if someone created this fantastic work of art and then never shared it with anyone? Is that 
still glorifying to God, you know? Or if if James went out and threw, not threw, when he swing, swung, swung 18. <laughs> swung 18 holes. You know, and just like, just did that <laughs> and no one was there. Like, is that, I don't know. It feels like all these things that we're talking about hinge on other people benefiting from it or being involved. I well, think- I think the sports example is an, it's a really interesting one. Because if somebody, I've played golf before by myself, did exceptionally well. And then like, I wanted to tell other people about it. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. But I don't know if I wanted to tell them because I wanted to receive praise from them. Or if I wanted to actually like share this awesome experience that I had. Yeah. I don't know what my true motive there was see i would say that like with music you're going to be putting together this masterpiece and if it is fantastic if you're able to put together something like let's say mozart put together one of his great pieces and just kept it in under wraps that is good you have this great work of art that you've been able to produce in union with god offering it up to him to be able to help you through that and use the talents that you've been given to do that. But I think there is an element of sharing it that is good because you're able to Mm -hmm. share what the Lord has been working with, with you, with the rest of the world. You're allowing the good that the Lord has given to you to be shared as opposed to just keeping it in within you. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe to sum up in this like artful worship idea we have, there's like the personal side of it and the the public side of it, and like some worship, some artful form, like art forms can be worship in a personal sense where it's like you're just doing it interiorly, you're offering it up. It's not really meant for anyone else. But then there's also these this more public ones where it it actually is fuller and more glorious if you share it with people, more ordered to other people. The risk with the personal is like keeping something away. You know, like it would probably be bad for Mozart to keep this masterwork away from people. Um, and on the other side, the public side, a risk would be doing it not for God, but for yourself. Doing it and for like the attention. The vain glory. Yeah. The vanity. Yep. There's probably a virtue in there somewhere. <laughs> Let's crack open the Summa. You got time? <laughs> yeah, you guys know that... Um, there's that Bible verse, the Philippians, like four eight, where it talks about like focusing on whatever is glorious, whatever is uh, like holy. Oh yeah. Focus your sights on that thing. And he like lists out like mm-hmm. ten things. Yeah. I really like that one. Yeah. Think of nothing else. Mm-hmm. Just think of that. Yep. So think of that when you're doing your daily tasks. <laughs> All right. Making your bed, brushing your teeth. I hope that answers the your gym. question, BP. So for all of our listeners out there, the three Armor of Light hosts are graduating. Surprising. (laughs) Yeah, we made it. A meatball is graduating. I found out about an hour ago that I'll be passing all my classes. (laughs) Let's go. So yeah, clearly a big step for all of us. Maybe say that again and hit the cheer button. All of the Armor of Light hosts are graduating yeah there we well go. done all Thank everyone everyone you. yeah that's incredible no please please keep going you shouldn't have um yeah and i think we've all worked very hard um 
at this. So congrats to you two and myself. Congrats yeah. to you. Congrats, my friend. It's been a great four years. I mean, looking back, there's a lot that has changed in my life. I know the the way that this the church is and the community that we've built here, I think is um, it's in a different place. And I think it's in a better place. I would say my, uh, you know, going through it all, 2019 was a great year. I was able to get introduced to a lot of the people here and there was a fantastic culture built mm. again with community and um, the leadership that was involved there. Um, just name dropping Sam Harrig. Do you remember that group? Yep. Brian Lang. <laughs> yeah. They they had established that culture and we were all buying into it, especially towards the end of the year. And then we got sent home for COVID. And I think there was a, a large aspect of that, that that got lost because there was the freshmen weren't able to latch on quite as quickly. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the rest of that semester to really take part in it. So then sophomore and junior year, we were able to build some, I guess, something kind of new because we were having to adapt with COVID and all the restrictions that we had. But then we got to a place where I think we're really strong again. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we weren't strong these last two years, but I think we've built something where this group of freshmen is very exciting to see the way that they've embraced Christ, the way that they've they their outreach is phenomenal. I mean, I see people I would never expect hanging out with each other, hanging out with each other, and I think that that is a very um, uh, admirable thing. So yeah, I think we're kind of in a unique position because the three of us remember college before COVID, during COVID, and now after COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think I definitely resonate with your sentiment of kind of felt like two years ago we were trying to rebuild what we had before. And last night when we were at the pancake study break, just seeing so many younger, younger faces, it was so, so good to see that like, yes, we're moving on. It kind of, it hurts that we're moving on. I don't want to pass on the torch, but like it's in good hands, which is really, Mm -hmm. really hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it easier. And again, I would say, especially from you two that, you've both made a great impact on my life personally. And I know that other people who could, would say the same thing that this community is better off because of you guys. And I think it's just been really cool to see again, just how much God's word can, can get out to these people. And just, there are a few people I had the for, uh, fortune of being able to meet throughout my time here where um, they weren't, maybe as involved as before. And I got to kind of introduce them and get to know them and introduce myself to them and see where they've gone. Yeah. I think that's been one of the most um, fulfilling and humbling experiences is inviting somebody into the church and then seeing them make friends with other people. And mm. then we, we can kind of take a back seat and like, yeah. okay, you can, you can take it from here. That's where I found the most, uh, fulfillment, I guess, in the terms of building the community here, just bringing other people in and then recognizing that the Holy Spirit can work through all of us. And it's, it's not up to us to like be best friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. We just need to invite them in and people will find their, their group. Well, and here's a direct one. 
James, you were my small group leader freshman year. And and you, you guys know. never talk to <laughs> <laughs> No, and and Calvin was obviously in that group. Mm-hmm. Calvin got involved his sophomore year and we weren't allowed because of the numbers, we didn't have enough freshmen for all the new freshman leaders that were going to lead Bible studies. So because of that, Calvin reached out to a bunch of his friends that he'd met. Um, and these guys, we found like new guys every week. Um, one guy we would never expect is now a focused missionary. And a couple other guys are very involved with their faith that have to just being able to see them take that step after getting the invitation has been phenomenal. So because of your yes and your leadership and being committed to being there when it was just the two of us showing up. (laughs) um, Well, I guess the three of us that had an impact on all those other people down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that I've taken away is like every little thing that we do can have a huge impact. Even though we may not think it's anything important, it may mean the world to somebody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it probably wasn't didn't feel great when you would you had <laughs> no, this this huge group all. of freshmen yeah. that you were trying to bring into the church and bring in again to the community and it was just the two of us showing up you know mm-hmm. there there would be occasionally a third right yeah but th- there was two guys showing up yeah. and that probably frustrated you it frustrates me sometimes with my small group but again seeing that those two are both in a better place and they're about to to jump off, I think mm-hmm. it's really cool to see. Yeah. yeah, I feel really blessed as well. I think, at least in the in the faith community that we have here, I joined a little late in the game. So I've been here for five years, and I joined uh, my fourth and fifth year. I actually started coming around here and making connections. And at that same time, I also moved in with a lot of guys who were very prominent in the community and so for a while there i was really just kind of riding the coattails of these titans of the the sta community (laughs) um and it took it took a while for me to like not have that kind of imposter syndrome you know or i wasn't just name dropping my roommates and kind of like acting like i was in the circle but then i got got to a point where I was part of the circles and that like imposter syndrome kind of went away and I felt like I actually belonged and was, you know, desired by friends as much as I desired other people the same way. So I mean, think about the impact that you've had on TI and other organizations on campus. I mean, that is phenomenal. Again, there's a lot of people who are able to, to think a lot better about stuff. I know when I, when I sit down and have a theological discussion, I like having you and I like having Skylar there because <laughs> you think of things that I didn't even know were true. And it's like, Oh, perfect. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Contrary to what Brady would make you think he is a Titan of the Thomistic Institute. <laughs> Very much. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd say that where we are now is a very strong community that we're leaving off. And I think that kind of gets into what were some things when we started here that we wish we would have known when we got here? 
I wish I would have known earlier on the impact that my friends have on me directly. I didn't realize how like high my friends could call me to be. Um, I guess when I started out, I didn't surround myself with the best friends and they weren't like bad. They weren't bad guys. They just weren't challenging me to be a better person. And I didn't realize that I could actually find friends that did that. And last few years, I've definitely kind of found some, some great friends that have challenged me to be better. I just kind of wish I knew that five years ago. Um, it's not really a regret because now I know moving forward, um, the, just the importance of friendship. Mm. But that's some advice I would give to freshmen is try to find friends that you are the person you want to be when you are with them. Don't surround yourself with people that make you a person you don't want to be. And on, on top of that, I'd say if you're in one of the, a friend group, be the one who challenges those people to be better. Know what the best version of your friends looks like and invest in them. Be able to challenge them because a lot of times that's what it takes for guys is just to be challenged. That's what it took for our small groups when we were when we were starting off. We just, these invitations to people at the bars, people who weren't necessarily involved with the church. You invited them got them to start coming and committing, holding them to that, to coming. And then, like I said, you see the way that these people have grown substantially Mm -hmm. and taken their life completely, I mean, taking their faith completely into their hands. And um, so, yeah, it just takes that kind of fire and that challenge being able to offer guidance to your friends and receive that from them too. I have, I have a lot of things. <laughs> the, um, I'm going to, okay. I have, I have one about busyness. We can uh, put a pin in that, but I want to jump off James point. Um, yes. Double down on, on quality friends. I agree with that. Maybe tangentially to that. I would also say, I wish I knew a lot sooner the importance of, building a found like a personal internal foundation for good habits. I think when I got into this community and I was surrounded by awesome people and awesome friends, I suddenly started turning into this like very spiritually disciplined and like holy person or as so I thought. Um, but it was really because just kind of by the situation I was in, I ended up doing things like oh, my friend's praying a holy hour, I'll go pray a holy hour. Or, oh, all my friends are at mass, I should probably go to mass or daily, you know, daily mass or pray this, read this, get into these things, like hang out. And it was all good and holy things and I, I certainly benefited from it. But I didn't learn soon enough, I think, obviously it's never too late, but soon enough that if you remove all those things, there's no guarantee that the, the disciplines will stay. Like you need internal structures, internal disciplined, personal, uh, you know, the basis being a personal relationship with God that doesn't depend on your environment or depend on who's around you or your friends. While those things support it, they shouldn't be the the load-bearing walls for our civil friends. Let's go. Civil engineering (laughs) friends. Yeah. So that's, I mean, personally, that's something I continually need to work on. No, yeah, I definitely second that. Uh, every summer when I would go home, it would be <laughs> like the community's gone. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait, I'm not as like 
disciplined as I thought I was. Yeah. Or I'm not as on fire as I thought I was. And I realized I only got that from the community. It wasn't actually something I had inside myself. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's something I noticed. My The difference between my first two summers and last summer. Last summer I made a goal to get in and pray as much as I could, at least for a half an hour after work every day. Um, there were some times when I missed it, but for the most part, I made this a pretty steady thing. And I noticed there was a huge difference in the way I returned and the amount of fire and discipline that I had coming in as compared to those other two where I was picking up from, you know, having to, to catch up. Hmm. Um, I wasn't playing catch up as much this fall. And I think that, like you said, having those well-established habits or at least not letting them completely fall behind, those are huge things. And I was, I would struggle again, like you guys said, with keeping to the habits that I'd built, especially when all these people are just, you're, you're a sponge and you're soaking all this in. But then as soon as the water goes away, like you're dry. Mm-hmm. So like in that sense, it was more like a rock, like you were wet the whole time, but then you, yeah, know, I mean, just you like weren't the, necessarily the, soaking it all in. The parable with the, with the seeds, you know, you might grow, you might grow really tall, but as soon as the sun comes out, mm-hmm. you're burned and wither away mm-hmm. because you don't have those roots. Yeah. yeah. You know, <clears throat> that's the one with like the, the burn and triple you're right. and then the, yeah. the vines choke them out or mm-hmm. So how do we develop these habits? How do we get those roots to go deeper? Find one thing in your life that you don't like. One of the, the ways that Jordan Peterson always says is make your bed every day. So for me, it would probably be pick up your laundry, get it all folded. And then once I got all that cleaned up, fold laundry every time I get it out of the dryer. Start building that habit. Make that something where I feel an internal reward in my head when I get that done. Mm-hmm. And then find another thing. As soon as that becomes something where you are you feel worse when you don't do it, then I think you're ready to move on and focus on something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that will bleed into the your faith life as well. Yes. You know, those more like human self-care, personal kind of things will also the same strategy could be used for for holy things like if you're not praying like you should prioritize consistency and discipline rather than maybe like fantastical experiences right. you know like going to a big worship service once a month is not the same as praying 5 minutes every morning as soon as you get up yeah that will yield much greater fruit than maybe the spiritual mountaintops at retreats and stuff like that right. And I, I think that that's where you could draw a parallel to what we were talking about earlier, where you bring whatever your practice is and offer it up to God mm-hmm. to be used for something good. Something I was praying about the other day was I'd like to start praying a rosary. I'd like to start, um, you know, not be as resistant to doing these things. And that starts with doing it, doing it while it's not as fun breaking that kind of mentality mm-hmm. and then getting to the place where I don't like it when I don't do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've definitely recognized. I actually look forward to like praying now, uh, before it was definitely just, it was a burden of something I had to do, but I think any habit or like reading is another good example. Everyone says they want to read more, but as soon as they start doing it, they're like, okay, this is awful. This is so boring. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think prayer is the same way. Like mm-hmm. after doing it for a week, you think, okay, this is so boring. I'm not getting anything out of it. And then we stop. But it's those small incremental, like you said, maybe five minutes every day and do it every single day. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You need to kind of struggle through the, the monotony of it because that's where the fruit comes from. Yeah, I think especially with prayer, there's like phases that you go through, you know, you like the first phase would be you, you can recognize, oh, I should pray every day, you know, like, oh, I should pray more. Like, that's great. Like recognizing that is good. It's the first step. And then the second phase is something like you, you run to prayer in times of need, you know, when your finals coming up, you're like, oh God, you know, please pray, you know, blah, 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 blah. Or when you feel sad or when you feel whatever, like you then that's when you run to God. And then I feel like the next phase is when good things happen, you run to God and thank him. So it's all like leading up to. And then I think the 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 ultimate phase is you just pray because you exist, you know, like good or right. bad, something, you need something, you don't need something, just always and everywhere you pray. It is right and, and so just. It is right and just, always and everywhere. You treat God like a friend. Right. And a friend is someone you don't talk to occasionally or just when things are good or just right. when things are bad. You talk, you talk about the dumbest time. things. You, you, know? make small, <laughs> you make small talk. Literally. <laughs> just, to, just to have someone to talk to. Yeah, I think those like, I, don't know, I just made that up, but like those four phases seem like a very reasonable mm-hmm. path, you know. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. One of the things for me, I would say is... When I got here, I was fully expectant that I needed to have a wife by the time I got it out of college. Got got it out of college. <laughs> by the time I got out of college. And I think that I was going about it the wrong way. It's not wrong to be like seeking that in your mm-hmm. life. But the way that I was doing, I was putting the cart before the horse. Because yeah. like you said, it's you build on yourself and you build this relationship with God and God will lead you where you need, want to go with that. And for like a lot of my freshman year, I was spending all my time trying to find like anyone who might go on a date. And <laughs> it wasn't it, it wasn't good for me. And it wasn't like edifying the way that a, a relationship can be. And it wasn't, I wasn't able to provide anything. If I would have gotten into a relationship my freshman year, I would not have been able to provide anything to that getting to where I like am now. I think like I'm in a much better place of recognizing where to go with that. Um, and letting the Lord lead me there. It sucks. I don't want to have to wait, but I'm getting to a place where it's, it's not sucking and it's going to be, you know, I, I trust in the Lord, see where it goes. Um, and that's kind of where things went previously. Like you're able to see the good in someone, recognize that. And the Lord starts seeing, showing you how you can serve them. And then 
you start to discern whether or not this is like something where you want to go. And then you're able to decide whether this is something that needs to, you know, like two people that need to be together for us or forever, or, um, you need to break it off. Like being able to not have that expectation or put that pressure on yourself or on God is so much more freeing. Mm-hmm. And, that was one of the mistakes I made freshman year. And I realized that there was a lot of things that I missed because of that. Like a lot of relationships I could have been a part of and a lot of people I could have gotten to know that I could have brought joy to, or I could have built a lot on my prayer life. And I just wasn't because I was like, Oh, well, you know, she might text me or this one person might text me. Mm -hmm. And it was like not making, leaving room for the Lord to work with that. So, Brady, you touched on busyness earlier, mm-hmm. and you put a pin in that. Yeah, wanna, let's take that pin out. Let's take the pin out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's more of just a general warning. Like, don't fall into the trap of of busyness. I think, especially in college, it's, it's almost like a, a secular virtue. Like, it's seen as a good thing like that we should all be, attain to be busy. Mm-hmm. Some of it I think comes from, you know, the, the pride of saying like, Oh yeah, I have three jobs and four majors. And, um, you know, I do, I'm like the president of five clubs. Like there's some prestige there that I'm sure motivates it. Certainly did for me, um, when I was younger, uh, in the first couple of years of college, but it's no, <laughs> like it's so not worth it. So not worth it, and it's not good either. Like, you should not operate anywhere near 100% capacity. You know, like, if you're capable of doing 80 hours a week, you know, of just life, you should probably just do, like, 50. Because you need to leave. First of all, when you have that 80 hours, you probably forgot time for prayer. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. busy people don't make time, right? Um, Often. Um, And so... Yeah, when I was younger, I or you know freshman year, I was just so busy all the time, and I was confusing busyness with productivity, and I was confusing productivity with growth. You know, there'd be whole semesters where at the end I'd just have this big sigh, like oh we're done, and then look back and think what what did that do for me. Yep. What did I, I didn't I didn't grow at all. I was just busy all the time. Um, and you guys can talk about that, but maybe another point too is don't confuse busyness with the lack of loneliness. I think a lot of the time I was very very busy and also very very lonely, but I didn't realize it mm-hmm. because I was you know moving around, moving and grooving. Seeing people, you know, uh, had a lot of people depending on me. I, you know, was involved in a lot of things, being consulted and whatever. But I was also very lonely. Yeah, no, I completely agree 110%. I'm going over 100%. Okay, good, good, 110%. Wowza. But, yeah, I remember probably freshman, sophomore year, there were a couple times where I'd come back to my dorm or apartment super, super tired after doing homework, going to clubs, going to classes. And then I would realize 
I had a full day. My schedule was absolutely full, but I don't feel like I did anything worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Like I never asked anybody how their day was and actually cared what they said. Yep. Yeah. Which was a, I don't know. That was such an awful feeling that I was, I was convincing myself like, this is what college is supposed to be. I'm supposed to be doing all these things, supposed to be going to all these classes. And it was just, it felt so empty. I noticed that too when I was like during different parts of my college career, I was very involved and stretching myself thin where like I'd go from one thing to the next thing and not be very like, and one of the worst things about that is I felt like I wasn't investing in any of the things that I was doing. I was just kind of, um, here's an analogy for you. Do you guys know star Wars battlefront? Yes. Like the old the game. one on yep. PS2. Mm-hmm. I know so of it. Star, Star Wars Battlefront 2, you had that little stamina bar where if you <laughs> ran, it would like shoot up. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was running it like all the time. And so I'd get the stamina enough, just enough so I could start running again and then it would go back down. Like I wasn't able to invest anything into a lot of the things that I was doing. And so, like you said, there wasn't growth there. And you just kind of sent one in, in a lot of different ways. But I was, I felt pressure. Like I wanted to be in this person's small group and this person's small group. I wanted to lead this small group. I wanted to be a part of this, do this. And I also had to work and I also had to take classes on top of that. And it got to a point where like, you know, I started trimming the fat, you know, I'd get homework done as much as, or, you know, just, click whatever I could, get it done, sent in, good, done. Mm-hmm. Um, I made it to small group, good. You know, I, I really didn't invest with those people. I didn't sit and listen, and I didn't feel like I could be fully attentive in those places. And I started to realize how that was affecting me in mass. Because Sundays, when you're supposed to take a day of rest, I was worried about the next thing I would needed to do. And most of the time, that's when assignments are due is Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I would be waiting until the last minute on Sunday night to get these things done. And I'd be worried about that all day. Yeah. And the focus, again, would not be on growth, not giving the Lord that time. And that's a trap that everyone can fall into. Yeah. Yeah, I remember very vividly last semester, there were multiple times I was praying late at night after a long day. I just I couldn't shut off, like, everything that I was worrying about from the previous day or everything that I knew I still had to do. And if that, if all these activities that you're doing are detracting from your relationship with the one that created you, the one whose relationship is, should be of the utmost importance, then I think we kind of need to reevaluate how we're spending our time. Mm. I would say, yeah, when you get here, make the first thing that you schedule your prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. And get in, whether it's a a half hour, an hour, make it something that you know you can do consistently. A lot of people recommend an hour because an hour you get a lot of good time. For some people, if you can only commit to a half an hour, commit to that half hour and make it happen every day. It's better that you get that half hour in every day as opposed to an hour whenever you can. Mm Mm-hmm. So getting that time in, 
spending that, committing that time with prayer and building around that, you'll start to realize you're not able to make excuses about, oh, I can't do prayer today because I've got this. I can't do prayer today because this is happening. Mm -hmm. If you make prayer the center of that, things will build around that. You will be able to grow in Christ, and then you'll be able to see how committing to that relationship with Christ will help you commit in other ways. Because like I said earlier, when I was committing to all these different things, but not really, I guess, not really committing, but being a part of all these different things, I wasn't able to focus on one thing at a time. And it started to impact my faith. It started to impact the way I would go to Mass. Similarly, if you do commit those times to God, you'll start to see how you can commit in some ways fully here, or you'll start to realize the ways that you can't fully commit to this. Mm-hmm. Like some things you want to do, you can't fully commit to them, and maybe it's not the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd like to add that this running from activity to activity, this can happen if you're running from a Bible study to another Bible study. or It's not just school mm-hmm. organizations. I think yeah. this can also happen with getting too involved in different church ministries. Um, so I just kind of wanted to add that that all these things that we're talking about, they're not strictly uh, school organizations that can kind of drain you. If you are way too involved in so many different Bible studies, um, then you're not actually going to be present. And I think that being present, like you said, Brady, being present and being able to invest in those things is where you'll see your growth and actually be able to take something away from it. Because going and doing your homework for 10 minutes because you can use Quizlet, I guarantee you I, don't, I haven't learned a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but if I would have like sat down and actually worked with those practices, I would have been able to fully receive what I needed to receive mm-hmm. from those. Mm-hmm. Or actually read a textbook ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> That's another thing I wish I told my freshman yourself is put your dang phone away when you're sitting down to do something that you don't need your phone for. Mm. Like when I sit down to do homework, do homework. If I'm going to pray, pray. If I'm going to be with friends, be with friends. Like none of this half of my attention is being used for the task at hand. Like the other 50% of my attention is, Oh, somebody texting me. Oh, what do I have to go to next? Yeah. And I found that when I do sit down to actually work, I can make time for things that I want to make time for. That's another thing. Um, I wish I told my freshman self is, yeah, there there are 24 hours in a day and that may seem like a huge um, constraint, but when you really reevaluate what is most important and what you want to make time for, you can do that. Yeah. And I think as you, like one of the things that I've, I've, as I've tried to center my life around prayer, like I've started to realize the things that I don't need to spend as much time on. And things that I really did enjoy or got a lot of um, fulfillment and joy out of, I ended up like realizing that these aren't things that I really enjoy anymore. They're not things mm-hmm. that I would like to spend that time on. Mm-hmm. So, just being able to like shift through some of those things and find what I what really is nurturing me, and ways that I'm able to use that to help others. Far more, far better than being able to just sit down and let that just seep in. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know how to form this in like an advice, but something I wish I didn't do <laughs> when, when I was when freshman software is like the classic, maybe everyone does it. You're like a different person depending on what group you're, yeah. mm-hmm. you, know, you know, like that's such a trope of everyone. I don't know how to fix that besides just like finding who you actually are and what you like, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it takes courage. It takes a ton of courage to be, because I do that all the time. Like I'm one, one version of myself here at school, one version of myself when I go home, Mm. another version when I'm hanging with church friends versus non church friends, like finding a consistency of who actually am I? That takes a lot of courage. I think I haven't completely figured that out myself, mm-hmm. but yeah, that struggle is not unique to you or just to me. I don't think. I think one of the ways that we can do that is by setting our boundaries, knowing what we don't want to do mm-hmm. and building from there. Um, like I know that I don't want to lose my prayer life. So knowing that that's where I'm going to go or knowing that that's not something I want to lose, then I'm going to set prayer life as something I have when I go into the professional world. One of the other things that I don't want to lose is um, my friendships. So being able to invest time outside of work and in order to build these friendships, I'm not going to you know, take those away. Being able to set those boundaries re- lets you know what, guidelines you can work between as opposed to there's all these different things you can do with your freedom but if you try to stretch yourself in out like you're not truly free at that point in time and you're not really like you said Mm. like you guys said being able to invest in those things yeah yeah it is so freeing because you don't have to realize okay what like not like what personality but like who do i have to be with this group of people who do i have to be with this other group of people there's just this is who i am that's very freeing, yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes you have to not be mean, but like you, like Jerry said, you got to draw boundaries. And so if you're in that group, that's maybe different than what you want to. Like if they're out, they start creeping outside of your boundaries. You kind of have to confront that. Yeah. And be like, all right, we can either do this or I'm leaving. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't have to be there. Like right. there's a, wa- a large economy of people in college. And so if, if you're surrounded by people doing things that you don't think are right or that you just don't think are f- good for you, you don't need to be around them. Mm-hmm. Like and you're not yeah. obligated to be friends with people who are making you worse. Yeah. And I think being able to have those boundaries also helps you to be able to intermingle with those people better. Yeah. If you have that firm foundation, you can mm-hmm. you can know like, okay, maybe we won't talk about this stuff, but th- this stuff is good you know like i have i have really good relationships with people that probably wouldn't agree with on politics or mm-hmm. or faith and stuff like that but it's you know it's like i am i'm not going to sacrifice who i am and i don't want you to sacrifice who you are let's just you know try to have a relationship there's a lot of people i know who really enjoy them like going out to the bars and Kudos to them if that's something that they can do. I do and I don't enjoy that. But I started off with I didn't drink until after I turned 21, probably 
seven months after I turned 21 because I was very committed to that and I'd been praying on it. That's what I wanted to do. And by the time that I decided to have a fir- my first drink, I recognized that I was able to be in a place where I could be prudent about it. So I started, because of those boundaries that I'd set for the last three years, I've been able to go out and enjoy time with these guys who go out to the bars more and see how like they can enjoy that and being able to enjoy that time with them mm. as opposed to if I would have felt pressured to do it or going out to the bars just like to fit in. I think that it was much more freeing knowing where I stood going into these things and, and being able to enjoy the time with them, but also knowing where I stood. Mm-hmm. Any other advice? Nuggets? Anything your freshman self wish you knew? I wish I'd have known we could play pickup baseball. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so much fun. That yeah. was just for context. Time. This weekend we had a full on pickup baseball game. We had way more than 18 people, but we were able to to find a place for everyone out there. Wood bats, baseballs, enjoy the time. And that's something that I would 10 out of 10 recommend to anyone who comes into college. You can go play baseball. You don't need fancy catcher's gear. You don't need all that. You don't need people who you can even know how to play. Mm-hmm. Go play baseball. It's fun. Yeah. Shout out to our friends, Luke and Grace, who are also guests on the show for organizing that game. Absolutely. That was awesome. <laughs> Good time. Yeah. Okay. That's another thing I want to, I wish I told my freshman self is sometimes you do need to take the initiative to be the one that invites others. Mm-hmm. If you're constantly waiting for an invitation that's not coming, maybe that's because it's a sign you're the, supposed to be the one that extends the invitation. I remember freshman year, sometimes I would get frustrated if I wasn't invited to something. And then I realized, why don't I don't, I never reach out to anybody else asking if they want to go play golf or go play pickup basketball at the gym. I'm always waiting for somebody else to invite me to something. Mm -hmm. I think that comes back to knowing who you are too. If you know who you are and if you're when you start to gain that confidence in yourself, because the Lord shows you just how good of a person you can be and shows you the best version of this yourself, the version that you want to become, you can strive to be that you can start to set your boundaries around that and live your life striving for that. And people recognize that people will start to see this guy lives differently. And it's kind of cool the way that, I mean, Brady, the way that you started taking your faith life very seriously and getting really into the intellectual side, people see that and they start asking you questions Mm -hmm. and they start wanting to be a part of that. They start wanting to learn more of that. They start wanting to do a podcast with you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) You know, like when you're able to figure out who you are, then you can start to invite those people, invite them to see what God has made you and allow yourself to see who God has made them. That's when you start to, to build your connections. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to do that. And don't be afraid when you're not getting invites either. If you're on, if you're not getting invites because you're on a path towards something better, then don't let these people not inviting you put you down. It's going to suck for a little bit, 
but realize that these invites that you might want now, like especially freshman year, I really wanted to hang out with all these people who are having dorm parties. But looking back now, I don't regret not going to those. And I was still able to make great friends and better friends, I'd say, because that wasn't something that I was invited to. Mm -hmm. And I think making invitations too can help with that like FOMO, the where you see everyone else doing cool stuff that you want to do. It's like, well, you do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just go just do, do stuff it. that you, you want to do and, yeah. and start inviting them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's yeah. that's honestly the greatest tip to finding friends is like go do the things you like to do. And guess what? People who also like <laughs> to do those things will be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it all comes down to knowing who you are and taking that time to learn who you are. Mm-hmm. Like that would probably be the number one piece of advice that I think we've all really touched on today. Like sitting down and allowing the Lord to tell you how beautiful you are and just who he wants you to be and exactly how he wants you to serve him. Once you start to figure out who you aren't setting those boundaries. And once you start figuring, allowing that to guide you where you want to go, people start taking an interest in you. And that can be like the biggest cure to loneliness is knowing that the Lord's guiding you to a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I would have told my freshman self that in five years I'd be starting a podcast, people <laughs> I would be like, there's absolutely no way. There's no way I would have the courage or the, uh, I guess the comfort of like talking about my faith with you two, let alone to a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the biggest changes I've noticed in myself. And yeah, I don't know if you guys have had the same experience. Yeah. I think I would just, I would just tell myself, and this is from just stealing this from a priest, but it's like your relationship with God is like, it's a love story. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis is on both the words, but, but uh, like the emphasis is on story. Like it's not an event that will happen and boom, you're like, you got it. It's a gradual change. So don't get frustrated about where everyone else is and you're not there. And don't get frustrated about like how much progress you think you've made. Because one, you've probably made way more progress than you think you have. And two, there's a lot more to go than you think you have to go. <laughs> so it's, For sure. It's a double whammy. Um, yeah. That's kind of what similar to what yeah. you said, but... Sweet. Yeah. So I guess like we could just wrap it up by saying give up control of the mm, things that you can't control. Surrender. Surrender and allow these four years to change you for the better. Mm-hmm. Don't obviously surrender your morals. Like <laughs> allow these four years to change you within your boundaries. Yeah. Surrender to the very likely possibility that God knows better than you. And God's going to make these four years better than you can. Exactly. If you come in thinking that college is going to be fun, God wants it to make it really fun. Mm -hmm. So the plans that you have, offer them up. If God wants you to do those things, he'll do those things. But he'll also bring you to the places where you want to go. Yeah. You just focus on being that good and faithful servant and he'll do everything else (laughs) yeah 
Shout out to you. the Surrender Novena. <laughs> <laughs> he will lead you to retreats where you might run into a couple guys mm. and start a podcast. Yep, <laughs> that could happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet. Thank you, gentlemen, for a great second season that uh, yeah wraps up season two. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, it has been an absolute blast uh, to include this this project and this uh, awesome way of uh, of connecting with uh, each other and the community during this graduating year. Um, it's certainly been a blessing to me, and it's not stopping anytime soon. We have, <laughs> yeah, we have got. There are big plans. We don't know what yeah. they are yet, but there are big plans for the future. Um, and we just want to thank everyone who's who's listened, and um, we invite you to continue listening, but also share it with your friends. Like we want, we want this word to get out, um, and we want to just start conversations. We want to start uh, authentic inquiry into, you know, people's interior lives and and their friendships and what it means to live out the Christian faith. So please just like share it with your friends, share it with your family, everyone and anyone. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, send in any questions you might have or topics for future episodes. We're always looking for suggestions on um, what we should talk about next and uh, send in what you're passionate about. Like what part of the Catholic faith are you most passionate about? And we would love to talk about it. Um, yeah. Any final words for you guys? No, I, you guys pretty much touched on everything. Um, I'd say, I'd just like to say this has been an absolute blessing doing this podcast with you guys. I could still remember when we were sitting at lunch at the retreat last year, and we were like, what if we just did a podcast? And then <laughs> the three of us just kind of grinned at each other, and then we just started it. And and it's, it happened. Been, it's been so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So thank you both for putting in your hard work and the amount of laughs we've had just sitting oh, around this sure. table <laughs> have been so memorable. Uh, yeah, no, I I can't believe, because there, there had been people I'd like talk to about doing something like this before, and, you know, the first time it was like, okay, we could get all the stuff, but what are we going to say? And so it fizzled out. And then like, the second time it was like, oh, we've got all this content, but what are we going to, how are we going to say it? Okay, never mind. <laughs> and so I think that being able to like, again, you put that, that one out there to be able to have like a, to, a podcast or something like that. And then allowing the Lord to work with it. Like it didn't work in those first two ideas, but then this one, we were all committed to it. We all put in the work towards it. And I mean, I think it's been fun. Our guests have all enjoyed it. So it's something that we can at least try to bring into the world and let her, let her eat. (laughs) (laughs) And get ready for season two bloopers. (laughs) Oh yes. There were some good ones. (laughs) No, thank you all for listening and uh, have a blessed day.